1: Today is Wednesday, October second, two 2019. On this day in 1976, a body was found along the Seneca Highway in Grundy County, Illinois. The woman was never identified, and Jane Seneca Doe remains Grundy County's only unidentified murdered person. For 40 years, her death has remained unsolved, although one police officer has vowed to change that. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast Original. Every day, we tell a timely story from true crime history, then analyze the historical impact of that day's events. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Rebecca Lavoy. Rebecca is the author of four true crime books, host of the podcast, Crime Writers On, and editor of the podcast, Undisclosed. She's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of the Jane Seneca Doe case.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to dive into this mysterious murder. Let's go back to the afternoon of October 2nd, 1976, along a lonely patch of highway 90 minutes southwest of Chicago.
1: It was the beginning of harvest season. Robin's grandfather had taught her to recognize this telling chill in the prairie air. She felt the familiar crispness on her cheeks as he drove her in the tractor. Their lunch break was over, and the 12-year-old was excited to see the bounty in their soybean field. As they made their way through their farmland, Robin spotted something along the road and pointed it out to her grandfather. Robin assumed it was a deer, probably hit by a car, but her grandfather grew eerily quiet and immediately turned the tractor around. He drove her back along Route 6, cryptic. Then he left Robin with her father, Tom, and asked Tom to call the police. Robin wasn't sure what was going on, but she knew it was bad when her father took the tractor out himself. Tom drove the tractor toward the patch of road Robin had pointed out to her grandfather. The heap along Highway 6, sometimes called Seneca Highway in that part of the county, did look like a deer, But as Tom grew closer, he could see that it was something far more sinister, a human body. Around 3 p.m., two policemen arrived at a grisly scene and joined Tom on the edge of the road. The three of them peered down at a woman's naked body lying in the ditch along the Seneca Highway. They all felt sick the woman had been discarded like trash. A green plastic bag was wrapped around her head, secured with black electrical tape. Inside the bag was a colorful knit sweater, so new it still had a price tag on it. Initially, police wondered if the woman had been suffocated with her own shopping bag. The murder investigation launched into action. Police started with the basics. The woman was 5'7", about 150 pounds, around 20 years old, and black. An autopsy revealed that she had died from a single gunshot wound to the back of her head. Her death was violent. Her final moments were likely terrifying. Her fingerprints failed to return a match, and for whatever reason, her dental record wasn't investigated further. Nevertheless, police were certain that someone would quickly come forward to claim their Jane Seneca Doe, but in the coming days, nobody did. In the weeks following, police had a few flimsy leads, but after two months of dogged investigation, the woman remained unclaimed and the case went cold. The county coroner at the time took pity on her and bought a cemetery plot for her in Braceville-Gardner Cemetery in Grundy County. On Thanksgiving Day, she was buried in an unmarked grave. The coroner and gravedigger were the only ones in attendance. Soon, young Robin would learn exactly what she'd seen on the side of the Seneca Highway. She'd think about it for the next 40 years, wondering what happened to that poor girl, and where was her family? Coming up, investigators get their first real lead on the identity of Jane Seneca Doe. Now back to the story. After Robin Henderson Mitchell pointed out a body on her family's farmland on October 2, 1976, the Jane Seneca Doe case would scarcely be touched for 40 years. Despite being unsolved, her case was not forgotten. When John Callahan joined the Grundy County Coroner's Office in 1994, he was made aware of her case. He said, It always just bothered me, knowing that we had someone unidentified and buried. Callahan often visited Jane Seneca Doe's gravesite, laying wreaths in lieu of a headstone. But throughout his time with the Grundy County Coroner's Office, Callahan found himself frustrated by the lack of available resources to try and identify her, Rebecca, our guest host, is here to discuss the recent developments in the Jane Seneca Doe case. Thanks, Vanessa. In 2015,
0: after almost 20 years of waiting, Coroner Callahan was finally granted the resources he needed to reopen the case when Grundy County hired a deputy coroner, Brandon Johnson. Beginning in early 2017, Coroner Callahan and Deputy Coroner Johnson reopened the case of Jane Seneca Doe. They pored over the leads and minimal forensics that had previously led police to a dead end. They begged the county to allow them to exhume Jane's body for her dental records, and once all the necessary paperwork was filed, the county granted their request in late 2018. The men thought they would have to wait until the following spring to break ground, but they were lucky. The third week of December 2018 was unseasonably warm. The ground was soft enough to excavate and they were able to exhume Jane Seneca Doe just before Christmas. In January 2019, her mandible and femur were sent to the University of North Texas Center of Human Identification. Callahan and Johnson hoped that the center would be able to build a DNA profile that could potentially match any family members in the area. A sketch artist was also able to use her remains and crime scene photos to render a new image of what Jane Seneca Doe looked like at the time of her death, with the hope that any remaining family members might recognize her and come forward. And sure enough, a single call came in. In late January 2019, an 80-year-old woman from the Inglewood neighborhood in Chicago reached out to Grundy County Police. She had seen the updated sketch of Jane Seneca Doe and felt compelled to call. She told Deputy Coroner Brandon Johnson that her daughter went missing around the same time as Jane Seneca Doe's body was found, and she prayed the body might belong to her daughter, if for no other reason than a sense of closure. The prospect filled Johnson with hope. Perhaps, finally, Jane Seneca Doe could be laid to rest alongside family, where she belonged. He made the 90-minute trip northeast to Chicago's south side and met with the woman who had called. He took a cheek swab to be matched against the DNA, then held his breath. But sadly, the DNA wasn't a match. In April 2019, Jane's DNA profile was completed and run through CODIS, the National DNA Data Bank, but it didn't ping any matches. Both coroners Johnson and Callahan worry that they are on a ticking clock with Jane Seneca Doe. Any remaining family in the area might pass away before getting the chance to identify their loved one. If Jane were alive today, she would be well into her 60s. It's unlikely her parents are still living. She could have siblings or other relatives, but they might not live in the area. Without knowing who she is, it's impossible to say how Jane even got to Grundy County. Perhaps she lived in the area and was killed by a close relative who never wanted to be found. She could have been abducted and killed while on a road trip. She might have been a runaway or have severed ties with her family altogether. But Coroner Johnson has hope. He truly believes that Jane Seneca Doe has family out there, possibly closer to Chicago, that would love
1: to know what happened to their beloved daughter, sister, or friend. To date, Jane's case remains unsolved. Deputy Coroner Johnson taped the artist rendering of Jane Seneca Doe above his desk to act as a constant reminder that she deserves to be named. He hopes to make contact with any remaining relatives before the year is out. As he put it, everyone needs to be home for the holiday. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Rebecca, for joining me today. Thanks for having me.
0: You can find my podcasts, Crime Writers On and Undisclosed on Spotify or
1: wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find my books on Amazon. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Aaron Lan. I'm Vanessa Richardson.